Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Response to the newborn king. On December 3rd, 2012, there was this interesting announcement that was made by the Duke of Cambridge, Prince Williams, when he was telling us that his wife has just taken in and they were expecting a baby. And immediately the whole world went into a frenzy, you know, started looking, how is it going to be? Is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? What is it going to be called? Is it going to look like this? Is it going to look like Diana? I mean, everybody just went upside down and, you know, that was, that's what we do. Everybody just wanted to figure, they just wanted to speculate. They wanted to see what will come out, what the new, who, what, who the new prince will look like. And their wait, they had to endure nine months of serious waiting. Eventually on July 22nd, 2013, Prince George Alexander Lewis was born. And the interesting thing was that as the day this young prince was born, the pre, you know, the, 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 in Bermuda, in England, in New Zealand, in Canada, there were what is called the gun salutes everywhere just to welcome this young British prince. Not only that, the bells of Westminster Abbey went off and they were singing. Even churches had their bells that were being rung just to welcome this newborn king. And though if they had stopped there, you would have think that that would have been enough, but that was not enough. Even landmark in Commonwealth nations, that is nations that were former, that were former colonies of Britain, they had some of their landmark illuminated just to be able to welcome this young prince. And they didn't even stop at that. They went as far as even singing or composing lullabies for this young man. They sang song for this young prince and they didn't even stop there. They actually commissioned a commemorative coin. Okay? They designed a coin specifically for this young man just to show that yes, a young prince has been born. The prince of the, of the British people. Okay? And all this was just to celebrate this young man. Okay? Wouldn't that be nice if somebody had done that when you were born? You know? Would that be nice if somebody did that for me when I was born? Okay? But unfortunately, we don't belong to that elite circle. But that was what happened when the prince of, when the British prince was born just about five years ago. Now, 2,000 years ago, another prince was born, the prince of peace. His birth was not only announced, but announced 4,000 years prior to that particular day. Okay? 4,000 years. And there were not just, just announcements, there were numerous promises and revelations that this particular prince was going to be born. Okay? And in spite of the promises and the announcements, the whole world was practically oblivious of his birth when he was born. They didn't even know the guy was born. Here was a guy that had been announced 4,000 years earlier. Prophecies upon prophecies has been given. And the day he was born, nobody even knew. There were no gun salutes. Okay? There were no decorations in Jerusalem. Nobody put up a commemorative light. Nobody put up, painted the, uh, painted the streets of Jerusalem in blue to say that a boy had been born. Maybe if it's a girl, they were probably done a pink one, but for some reason, nobody remembered to put up the blue lights. So there was, there, there was no decoration in Jerusalem. There were no commemorative coin that showed Mary and Joseph carrying the baby and some, and some, uh, and some maloos at the back of it. Nobody had that. Okay? There was nothing. There was no commemorative coin. The birth of the Prince of Peace 
passed almost unnoticed, except for a couple of few interesting characters. The first characters you see were the shepherds who were keeping their flocks at night. They were one of the people who knew that something was going on. There was this angelic choir that were singing glory to the God in the highest. They knew that the Prince of Peace was born. And then there were some these wacky people from the east. They called themselves the wise men. They had no better things to do in the east. They also knew that something was going on. That there was a prince that was born. But other than that, nobody knew that this guy was born. Eventually the word came out. Yeah. What got out and finally the world began to realize that yes, there has been a special birth that has taken place. A special person has been born. Something unique has happened in our community. And when they started hearing about the Prince of Peace, you will imagine, you will think that just like everybody was rallying around and they were celebrating the birth of Prince George, you will think that there will be a uniform response. Unfortunately, when they knew that the Prince of Peace was born, the response was varied. Very, very different. Unlike the uniform response that Prince George got, the reaction of uh, the reaction to the Prince of Peace was what was mixed. Okay, and all through the ages, the response to the birth, the life, and the death of our Lord Jesus Christ has had that particular effect on people. Okay, there are people who are happy and excited that Jesus Christ came. There are those who could not be bothered. You know, whether he came or he doesn't come, it doesn't make any difference to them. They really couldn't care. They could care less. And there are some who are just bent out of shape when they hear the name of Jesus. They are so pissed that they don't even want to hear the name. For some reason, something that the name of Jesus does something in their lives that they don't like. Okay. People cannot, some of these people cannot just stand the thought that there was a king, that was an individual called the Prince of Peace that was born. People who simply cannot stand the mentioning of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see this varied reaction. You see the interesting thing is that, is that as it was at that time, when Jesus was born and you had all those varied reactions up till this very day. You still have that reaction. That is why some people say you have to, you know, you don't say Merry Christmas anymore. It now becomes the holiday. And you begin to wonder which holiday are you talking about. Okay? But that is a story for another day. So you see the, re- the, the, the reaction then that has been mixed is still a mixed reaction today. And the story has not changed. In the Christmas story, the Bible tells us of a lot of responses that we see in the characters that were involved in this particular Christmas story. When the new king was born, there were different kinds of reactions to that particular birth. And the one that many of us are familiar with is the one that we see of the wise men. But there's a broad range of reactions in the scriptures. A broad range of response. And this broad range of response is what we'll still see within and outside the church today. People responding just like they did the very first night when Jesus was born. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king. Behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying. Where is, it, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. By the time you skip down to verse number 11 of that same uh, Matthew chapter 2. You will read. The Bible tells us that. And when they came into the house where they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And they, uh, where they saw the young child with Mary his mother. And fell and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. For many of us, like I said earlier on, this is the most familiar response to the Christmas story that many of us know. 
the response to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ by the wise men. This is the response that has been demonstrated. If you look at all the figurines that are built, this is the response that you see. If there is any Christmas show that you attend, this is the response that is presented for every one of us. And the Bible describes the response of these wise men. And it tells us that the response of these wise men was number one. It was a response that was born out of preparation. The Bible says that they came from the east. They came from the east. They came into Jerusalem. In other words, it was not something that happened to them by accident. They were expecting, they were preparing even for this particular time, for the Prince of Peace to be born. Number two, their response was a response born out of expectation. In other words, they knew they were observing the stars. They were trying to figure out what is this unique star that is out there that is about to burst into the scene of life. So it was a response based out of expectation. Number three, it was a response that was characterized by worship. Because the Bible tells us that when they saw that young child, the young child that they have prepared for, the young child that they have expected, the young child that they traveled a long distance to come and see, they worshipped at his feet. It was a response that was born, that was characterized by worship. And finally, it was a response that was accompanied by divine you know, appreciation. In other words, they were thankful that God in his infinite mercy was willing to give to us a prince of peace. They were thankful because they know that without this particular prince of peace that is born, we have no hope of eternity. They were thankful that this particular prince of peace have come to be able to do what, the, what the, all the prophets have failed to do over the course of human history. So it was a response that was accompanied by, by, by appreciation. The Bible said that when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts to say thank you. For stepping down from eternity into our own time. Just to do the work that only God can do in our lives. Now the reactions of these wise men indicated that they understood the unique qualities of this newborn king. It tells us that there was none like him. The reactions of these wise men indicated that they understood the special role that this particular king was going to have in the affairs of man. Because he was going to redefine history. And they wanted to be a part of it. Number three, the reactions of this particular wise men indicated that they know that he is the one that defines life and death. And your response to him determines how you are going to spend eternity. They understood this. And that was why they stepped out. That was why they were prepared. That was why they were expectant. That was why they were appreciated. And that was why they worshipped him. They understood that this particular prince that came, his life and your response to his life determines life and death. It determines where you are going to spend eternity. And the reason is because he is the resurrection and the life. That was why they understood that. Okay, And that was why the response of the wise men was very, very important. But that is not where we are going this morning. What you will find is that this response is so popular that there are other responses in the scripture that we don't pay attention to. That we overlook them very, very easily. And the reactions of other actors of the, of the, of the Christmas story, they are, not just, they are not just responses that the scripture put in place. They are responses that have instructions in our own life. And it is the response of these unpopular characters that we want to focus on this particular morning. In Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. I want to start reading from verse number 8. The Bible tells us there. 
And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel of the Lord said unto, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all men. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And if you skip down to verse number 15 of that same chapter the Bible tells us in verse number 15 of Luke chapter 2, it says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord had made known unto us, verse number 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, verse number 17 and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this particular child now, if you take a step back and look at this verse of the scripture, you will see the response that the, this is now a different kind of response. Initially, we have seen the response of the three of the wise men. Now we are looking at the response of this particular of the of these shepherds. Now, the Bible makes us understand that their response was completely different. You see the response of the reactions of this of the birth of this uh, of, of, the, of the of the of the of the shepherds to this to the to the newborn king. And what is this response? What was the response of the shepherd? The response of the shepherd number one. Is the response that is born out of curiosity. The Bible says, and it came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see these things which has come to pass. In other words, they were curious. They wanted to see what happened. This thing that I've just been told by the angels, this particular information that we just received from the angel, what is it? They responded out of curiosity. Number two, it was a response born out of urgency. Look at verse number 16. The Bible says that they said, let us go and see. But they were not just going to say, okay, we're going to do it tomorrow. Or probably we'll do it in the morning when we wake up. Or probably we'll do it when it's convenient. The Bible says in verse number 16, it says, they came with haste. In other words, they responded urgently. They responded immediately. They did not waste time. They did not deliberate about it. They did not postpone it. They did not look at it as if, okay, when is this convenient? They did it when immediately they heard about it. They responded immediately. So the response of the shepherd was number one, a response out of curiosity. Number two, they responded with urgency. Number three, they responded with excitement. Look at that verse number 17. The Bible says that when they saw it, you know what, after they have satisfied their curiosity, after they have made haste to get to that place where the, son, where the Son of God was born, the Bible now tells us that when they saw that child, and they saw that the testimony of the, of the, of the, of the angels was true, they now did what? The Bible says they made known abroad the saying which was told unto them. In other words, they told the whole world, this is what we have seen. They told the whole world that a child has been born. They told the whole world that this is what we have experienced. The shepherd, when they heard about Christ, they were curious to find out who he was. Who he was. They were urgent in their response. And they were excited to tell other people. The question this morning is this. What is your response when you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ? What is your response when you hear about the saving grace? What is your response when you hear about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you? What he has done for others? And what he has done all through the ages? What is your response to the King of Kings? Are you curious enough to find out if the things, the stories that you are hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ, the miracles, the transformation that happened in the life of those who encountered Lord Jesus Christ, are you curious enough to find out what is this particular thing true? 
Are you curious enough? Are you urgent in your response? When you find out, when you see a particular person who has been living a life apart from Christ, and the day comes, that person claims that they have been at, they have been, they have met with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see the change in their life, are you curious? Are you urgent in your response to that particular person's testimony? And when you have enjoyed the mercy of God in your own life, when you have seen God move on your own behalf, when you have seen God touch you at the point of your need, are you excited enough to tell another person? So is there curiosity when you are dealing with Lord Jesus Christ? Is there urgency in your response to the word to the Lord Jesus Christ? And is there an excitement in your spirit that you want to share the message of the cross with somebody else? The Lord expects you and I to be curious in our response. He expects us to desire to know. He expects an urgent response. He doesn't want you to get the message and just sit on it. He doesn't want you to get this message and just begin to say, okay, I'll do it when it's convenient. He expects an urgent response that takes immediate action. And he expects an an excited response that will share the message with some other person. If one of us today hit the power ball, I can assure you that you will come into this place with some funfair. Even if you don't have the whole team, you know, you don't have a marching band behind you. I can assure you that the way you are going to enter this place, people will know something has happened to you. You will be bouncing. You'll be walking on air, you know. And when you want to give your offering, everybody will know that, yes, this is a different kind of offering. Because something has happened to you. The same thing when you encounter Christ. The Lord is saying something should be different about you. You should be excited enough that others around you should know. There has to be that curious response. There has to be that urgent, you know, urgent response. And there has to be that excited response. That is what the Lord expects. And that is what He is still expecting from you. He's still expecting from me. Our Lord expects the response of the shepherds from you. Not just the response of the, not just the response of the wise men. He don't expect you only to be expectant. He doesn't want you only to be prepared. He wants you to be urgent. He wants you to be curious. And He wants you to be excited about Him. Now, apart from the response of the shepherds, the second response that we want to look at this morning is the response of the keeper of the inn. And that is found in the book of Luke chapter 2, reading from verse number 7. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. He brought forth his firstborn, and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. If you look at that verse number 7 of Luke chapter 2, the Bible is telling us that there was no room in the inn. In other words, there was no no space for the Lord. The only available space, the only available place, the only place that they could give to the Lord Jesus Christ was a place called the manger. That's where the animals are feeding. And this suggests three possibilities. The first possibility is that they were unable to make room because the place was full. And if the place is full, they can't make any more room. So they just say, okay, that is the only available space. The other possibility is that they are unwilling to make room for the Almighty God because they, they, they though the place was full, they were unable to make it, they were unwilling to make room for it. Because I tell you very much, if you go to a hotel and they say that the place is full, and you insist long enough and you make enough noise, uh, the manager will sometimes do something for you. So in other words, number one, the Bible makes us, the the, the suggestion is that they are unable to make room because the place is just full. The second possibility is that they are unwilling to make room, even though the place is full. And then the final possibility is that they refuse to make room, even when they have the ability to do so. Even if they have the ability to do so, they just refuse to make the room. Okay, since the room was full. 
Now, there are many who are still responding to the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, just like the keeper of the inn. There are who there are some for some reason they just cannot make room for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, though because their life maybe because their life is crowded with some more important things or important people, they just cannot make room for the Lord Jesus Christ. They are so busy with life that they just cannot make room for Him. They are so busy with the things that they are doing that they cannot even have space for another Savior. They don't have space for another King. They don't have space for another God because there are so many other things that are important in their life that they cannot make room. For the Lord Jesus Christ. That is one possibility. That's the way some of us react to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second way that some people react like the innkeeper. Is that uh, for some reason they are not able to make room. Not able to make room because uh, because of their station in life. They ride in high places uh, and the Savior is not welcomed. They hang out with the big boys. They are the most important people in town. Associating with the Lord Jesus Christ is more like a step down. So why would I want to do that? Why would I want to assume, why would I want to make room for the Lord Jesus Christ? So they are unable to make room because of their station in life. Maybe because it is, it is too inconveniencing. It is too inconveniencing for them to make room. Maybe because it doesn't fit their social status. Maybe because it doesn't work well with their schedule. Maybe for one reason or the other, they are just unable to make room. They are too busy. And you see a lot of people who cannot make room for Christ, even now, just because they are too busy. Or because they are engaged in something. Or because the people they are hanging out with. Or because it's not the popular thing. They are not able to make room for the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three. People are reacting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Responding to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like the innkeeper. And for some reason they are unwilling to make room for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one thing for you to be unable. It's another thing for you to be unwilling. Maybe because it costs too much. I can imagine that innkeeper was okay. These guys are paying money. These guys look poor. If I kick out this person who's paying money and I put you in, they're going to lose some money. So it's too costly for me. I'm not going to make this particular one. So there are people who are unwilling to make room, maybe because it was too expensive for them, too costly for them to associate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe the price tag is too high. Maybe because they are unwilling to be able to uh, to be able to bear the cost of association with the Lord Jesus Christ. But for so for but for whatever reason. They are responding like the innkeeper by being unwilling to open their doors to the Almighty God. And we do that in our own lives. You don't want to be called a Christian because if you do so, people will laugh at you. You don't want to be called a Christian because if you do so, it's going to cost you a promotion. It's going to cost you that girlfriend. It's going to cost you that boyfriend. It's going to cost you something. And you are not willing to pay the price. You don't want to give up the comfort that that you think that Jesus Christ is going to rob your life of. And because of that, you are unwilling to make room for him. And finally, there are those who just simply refuse to make room. They say, yes, we know Jesus can save. They say, yes, we know Jesus can deliver. We know, yes, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but I'm not going to make room for him. I don't like his face. I don't like his name. The guy just takes me off. I don't like him. Okay? Because they don't like what he represents. They say, no, I'm not going to make room for this guy. I don't want to associate with him. I don't want to be identified with him. And maybe the idea of the Prince of Peace interferes with the way that I live my life. The idea of the Prince of Peace interferes with my inclinations in life. It interferes with my worldview. It doesn't agree with the way I see the world. So why should I open my door to him? And that is what is also going on in the lives of some people who are sitting in the church also. 
We accept certain parts of the scripture. We accept certain Jesus that is good for us. The Jesus that does miracle is fine. The Jesus that heals us is fine. The Jesus that is the that is the magician is fine. The Jesus that gives us money is fine. But the Jesus that demands holiness is not good. The one that demands righteousness is not good. The ones that tell you to live a straight and narrow life is not good. The one that wants you to minister the gospel is not good. The one that causes you to say yes, you have to be able to pray and you have to be able to live a life that is pleasing to God. That Jesus you don't like. But the one that is able to meet you at the point of your need, the one that is able to make you, you know, the Jesus Christ that will ask like your houseboy or like your maid servant that is able to clean up after your mess, that is a fantastic Jesus. There are those who are responding like the keeper of the inn and they just refuse to let him in because it doesn't fit their style. It cramps our style. Okay? The question this morning is, am I acting like the keeper of the inn? Are you acting like the keeper of the inn? Are we acting like the keeper of the inn? Is our life so crowded that we cannot fit Jesus into it? Is our schedule so busy that we cannot allow Jesus, we are unwilling to rearrange it to allow Jesus to come in? Is our life so tied up that we refuse to even consider the possibility of allowing Jesus to come in? Is that what is going on in our life? Are we so opposed to the idea of Jesus that we are not willing to even give him a consideration? A lot of people are Christians when it's convenient. But Christianity becomes a different story when it costs you something. And I've always been known to say that if you believe in Jesus that does not take anything from you, that does not cost you anything, it's a Jesus that will not take you anywhere. I can assure you. A Jesus that does not cost you something. Is a Jesus that is not taking you anywhere. So the keeper of the inn, the keeper of the inn, he had the opportunity, but he was either unable, he was either unwilling, or he just simply refused to let them in. In our response to the king of the, to the king of kings, are we acting like the keeper of the inn? And only you, only me, can tell. Nobody can answer the question for us, but we know our lives. There's another kind of response that we see in the scripture. We see that in the book of Matthew chapter 2. Reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us, When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. I don't know whether you've ever met a man who was troubled, and everybody around him is troubled. They say that if madame of the house is not happy, for those of us who have dogs, even the dog knows, when the boss of the house is not happy, when madame is not happy, even the dog knows that madame is not happy because you can see, you can, you can expect a little bit of a, a kicking somewhere. But here you see, Herod was not happy. Herod was pissed and the whole Jerusalem knew that Herod was not happy. Verse number four. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, O thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, had not at not the least among the priests of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel now from this verse of the scripture I want you to pay attention to me please here Herod understood that if anybody was going to know anything about the children of Israel it was going to be the scribes it was going to be the priests because these were the people who were the custodians of the word of God they were the custodians of the things of all the things that of the documentation of the interaction of God with his people and so he called them when the wise men came he called them and said okay these people that came from the east where is this boy where is this new king going to be born and you will notice carefully 
from the verses of scripture that the priests and the scribes, they understood the prophecy concerning the king. Number two, they knew the time of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ because it's already in scripture. Not only that, they knew the place where Jesus was going to be born. Okay? And even though they knew all these things, it is fascinating that with all their knowledge of the revelation of the Son of God, of the birth of the Son of God, of the timing of the birth of the Son of God, they even with all their knowledge, you will find out that the Bible records that they did nothing. They knew. They had the revelation. They had the understanding. They had all these things going for them, but the Bible did not record anything. They didn't do anything. They just sat down there. You will notice that there was no hesitation in their response when, when uh, Herod was asking them. They did not say there was any clarity. They didn't say, ah, maybe he's going to be born in Judah. Maybe he's going to be born. They didn't say that. They were very, very clear. They told him it was going to be in Bethlehem of Judah. These guys did not tell Herod that there was a difference of opinion, of interpretation as to the timing and the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was not an issue. That was not the issue. These guys knew the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. But the interesting thing is that they did nothing. And there are so many people in the church today who know the scriptures inside out. They have a good understanding of the word of God. They knew what the Lord God Almighty demands for his people. They know exactly what it will take to be able to get into heaven. But the interesting thing is that they do nothing. They are satisfied with having the knowledge of the world of the Almighty God. They are satisfied with the knowledge. They are satisfied with quoting the scripture. They are satisfied with taking the Bible and clubbing people down. They are satisfied with doing all the religious things except moving their fingers to be able to walk and respond accordingly to the things of God. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.